Welcome to the Develop Yourself podcast, where we teach you everything you need to land your first job as a software developer by developing yourself, your skills, your network, your habits, and more. I'm your new co-host, Peter Elbaum, and today I'm going to talk with you about the best way I know to learn to code. But the thing is, this approach applies not only to learning to code, but just about anything you could think of. I love this approach because it's a strategy that you can use for getting in shape or learning foreign languages. And in the spirit of developing your whole self, I think it can be super helpful and applicable to whatever you're trying to do. Before we get going, I just wanted to provide a little bit of context as to why you're hearing my voice right now and not Aaron's. So as I mentioned at the beginning, I am a new co-host. My name is Peter Elbaum, and I'm currently an independent software developer. You may remember me from episode 12 of the podcast, where I spoke with Aaron about how I went from a junior engineer to a senior engineer in about two and a half years. And Aaron and I have actually decided to team up on the podcast, so you'll be hearing from both of us in the future. I'm thrilled that we're picking back up with the podcast because we've got a lot of great shows and interviews lined up, so stay tuned for those. Okay, on to today's episode. So as you know, on Develop Yourself, we talk about not only becoming a better developer, but developing your habits and strategies along the way. So today I wanted to talk about an approach to learn to code that I think may be the single best approach out there. But it's not only the best way to learn to code, it's the best way to learn anything, in my opinion. And so today's going to be less of an interview style podcast that you might be used to and more of me just talking about this particular mental model and trying to do my best to explain it. And so you may be wondering at this point, what is this idea? What is this approach? And this particular approach can be boiled down into one sentence, and that is do the real thing. The name of this approach happens to be the same as the name of the blog post where I discovered this idea, and the blog is written by this guy named Scott Young, who is known for a few different things. So he's had a blog for a really long time, and he's well known for being kind of an expert on learning. He's written this book called Ultra Learning, and he first kind of got famous for teaching himself the entire MIT computer science curriculum via OpenCourseWare and doing so way faster than four years. He also has a few online courses with Cal Newport of deep work fame. And if you're familiar with Cal Newport, you know that Cal does not do anything half-heartedly and pursues excellence in everything. So you can imagine what kind of guy Scott is. Okay, so do the real thing. What is the point of this strategy? What is the big takeaway? I'll give it to you right here, right at the top. And I'll start with a quote from this particular blog post, which is, as I said, also called Do the Real Thing. So you can Google it if you're interested in reading it for yourself. But Scott Young says, Success largely boils down to a simple distinction. It's glaringly obvious once you see it, but also easy to find ingenious ways of ignoring it. Do the real thing and stop doing fake alternatives. And Scott Young starts this blog post with an example, which I'll go ahead and read to you because I think it's helpful to get kind of a tangible idea of what are we really talking about here. So he says, consider one person who wrote to me saying she turned down a job working in French. She didn't feel her French was good enough yet. So instead, she planned to listen to podcasts at home every day until she was ready. You know what would have helped her get good at French? working at the job in French. Working at a job in the language she wanted to speak was the real thing for her. 
Listening to podcasts at home to prepare was the fake alternative she chose instead. Okay, so I hope that makes sense. Basically, with anything, there is a way of learning by doing the actual thing itself, and then there is a way of approaching your learning endeavors by doing something that feels like making progress, but actually isn't helping you get where you want to go. Okay, so with that in mind, let's make this a little bit more tangible for you and your world. So I imagine there are a number of you out there who want to learn to code in order to become software engineers. And you may have a friend that's a software engineer, and you may ask them, hey, what's the best website to learn to code? And that's a perfectly fine question, even a reasonable question. And maybe that personal answer, oh, yeah, I like Free Code Camp, or I like Codecademy, or... I like Treehouse for something like that. And then maybe, you know, you get on there, you create an account, you start going through maybe the basics of HTML or CSS, you learn some JavaScript, and you're going through the exercises, they're prompting you what to type, maybe explaining some concepts along the way, and you're going through, you know, checking off boxes, and you're feeling good about yourself, you're feeling like you're making progress. But here's the thing, doing exercises on Treehouse or Free Code Camp won't make you a software engineer. Building real websites and apps is what makes you a software engineer. In other words, doing the real thing is what makes you a software engineer, which in our case means writing code from scratch, not following exercises. Now, at this point, you may be wanting to object a bit and say, hey, Peter, why does doing Free Code Camp not make you a software engineer? And I feel like I need to get a few things out of the way. First of all, I love Free Code Camp. And when people ask me where can I go to try coding, I always say Free Code Camp. I love it and I think it's a great resource. It's even the first place that I went where I had my first exposure of learning to code. And I think it's wonderful for learning the basics of HTML, CSS, JavaScript, and other things now, and getting familiar with the syntax and various ways that the technologies of the web fit together. But there's a difference between learning the basics of something and becoming skilled enough at that thing to be able to do it professionally, which I'm assuming is where you want to go. You might be saying, okay, Peter, I kind of buy this, but I know people or I've heard stories of people getting jobs after doing Codecademy or Treehouse or Free Code Camp. Why are you saying that those don't count as doing the real thing. So I'll give you a few examples of things that you probably wouldn't encounter in an online resource like Codecademy or Free Code Camp that would prevent you, in my opinion, from doing the real thing. So first example, local environment. With Free Code Camp, you typically don't have to install anything locally. You don't have to get a IDE, which is an integrated development environment, basically a text editor for your code. You don't have to deal with anything to do with developing code locally on your computer. And that is very different than how things are done in a professional environment. Because you're not having to develop in a local environment, you deal with a narrower set of potential issues. So in my opinion, part of being a software engineer is knowing just how to get something running on your local machine. And when you do something like free code camp, you end up kind of diverting or sidestepping a lot of issues that are just part of doing day-to-day -day development on your laptop. I think knowing how to set up and deal with your local environment is a core skill of being a software engineer. And it's certainly something that you could learn on the job, but I think it'd probably be better if you had those skills before you started your first job. 
And that brings us to probably my biggest objection as to why something like Free Code Camp doesn't count as doing the real thing. And that is that you are not having to think as much as you would be if you were building your own projects. You are mostly just doing what you're being instructed to do by the online resource. And the problem with this is that concepts don't stick as much when you're following orders as when you're forced to put those concepts into practice on your own. A quick example of this from my career, I was very intimidated for a long time by Redux. And I tried, you know, West Boss's course and tried a few tutorials, but I just couldn't grasp it. And I really couldn't wrap my head around it. And it wasn't until I got a job with Redux as part of the tech stack where I had to use it every day and I had to deliver products under pressure with fear of potentially losing my job if I couldn't do my job, that Redux really began to stick. So what I described might be kind of a nice forcing function situation, but I think the point for us is that doing the real thing using a particular technology in a real project is a way better way to learn than just doing some kind of code along exercise where you're being instructed what to do at every step of the way. Let's say you buy my premise at this point and you say, okay, Peter, I buy that we tend to shy away from doing the real thing. Your next logical question might be, why do we do this? And I want to spend a second examining our motivations because I think when we are aware of our motivations, we're then able to better notice when our defense mechanisms are cropping up, particularly when it comes to stuff like this. Okay, so why do we avoid the real thing? The answer is that the real thing is often painful. So here's another quote from the blog post that sums things up nicely here. So Young, speaking about fake alternatives, says, This doesn't mean fake work is effortless. Instead, pretend activity always has just enough difficulty to allow you to trick yourself into thinking you're doing something that matters. But conveniently, it avoids any of the truly difficult things the real situation would create. He then goes on to say, Real things have risk. They have the possibility of failure. They have frustration. They force you to confront the possibility that maybe you just aren't good enough. This quote sounds harsh, and maybe it is a little bit, but it definitely rings true for me personally. I know for myself, I can look back on various endeavors from my life and pick out the times where I didn't do the real thing because I was afraid to fail. It's a lot easier to give 80% and convince yourself that you could do whatever the thing in question is if you really tried. I know for myself, when I really want to achieve something badly is when I see this pattern start to crop up because I'm afraid that if I put my full effort on the line and don't succeed, that that will essentially be too much to bear. And I really only notice these things by introspecting and kind of thinking about the past. A lot of times it's kind of subconscious, but I think it's important to be aware of, like I mentioned, so that we can start to combat it a bit. So the point is, it seems like we tend to hold ourselves back in this particular way. And since that's the case, I think people that end up doing the best in any field, and particularly coding, are those that can withstand pain in the pursuit of acquiring skills. Because, as we said, doing the real thing is painful. It's hard. I wanted to also talk about a particular variation of doing fake alternatives that I've seen crop up both in my life and in the lives of people that I'm helping learn to code and just family members who want to acquire particular skills, and that is understanding as a crutch. So this particular variation of avoiding hard things ends up looking like 
wanting to fully understand something before taking action. And I'll give you an example from my own life to make this a little bit more tangible. So I signed up for an online class with the musician Blanks. He has a very popular YouTube channel and he has a month-long course on monthly.com where you learn how to produce pop music. So I took this for fun and was really excited. And as part of the class, I got a MIDI keyboard. If you're not aware of what those are, it's basically just kind of a little plastic keyboard that you can plug into your computer and create beats and electronic music. And so when I got my MIDI keyboard and I sat down to start using it, I was tempted to first pull up a bunch of YouTube videos about how to plug it in and how to set it up. And then I was tempted to try and research the particular recording software that I'm using. So that's Logic Pro 10 on the Mac. And before I did any of these things, I caught myself and I started to think about why did I get this keyboard in the first place and why did I want to take this course? And the reason was to make music, but I was a little bit scared about what if it's hard or what if I don't know how to use the software, but I recognized that this was avoiding doing the real thing. So instead of going into all this research mode, which was really just my way of trying to resist pain, instead I made myself just pull out the software, pull out the keyboard, and write a song. And guess what? It was a really bad song, but by the time the course rolled around, I was familiar enough with the software and the keyboard to be confident in what I was learning, and in fact, I had encountered problems by trying to do things on my own that then made a lot more sense when we covered them in the course. So keep that example in mind as we discuss software engineering. So now the question is, we talked about what doesn't count as the real thing, but what should we do instead? What does that look like? And before I mentioned that building real websites and apps is the answer, Step away from guided exercises and build a real functioning website or web app on your local machine and deploy it. That is doing the real thing. But you may be asking yourself, what do I build? And this is a common question. In fact, it's common enough that people like Wes Boss, who you've heard previously on the podcast, built sites like javascript30.com, which is a 30-day challenge building real projects. And it's full of ideas, things that you could tweak and remix. And that's all great. I would say do JavaScript 30. But I have a slightly different answer to this question, and reasonable people can differ on this. But my particular answer to the question of what you should build is to build something that solves a real problem in the world, either for yourself or for people in your life that you're close to. And why do I think this? There's several reasons. The first is that solving real problems is way more fun than making another to-do list app. It's really motivating to make your own life better with code or to solve the problems of people that are close to you and see your code work and make their lives better. This approach also generates more unique app ideas and website ideas. So I mentioned that the world doesn't need another to-do list. And there's a reason that a to-do list is kind of a stereotype as a common project idea. It's because it's in a lot of tutorials and you don't want to do something that somebody else has done, in my opinion. It's just not as exciting and not as fun. And when you look to real problems in the world, you end up having to generate novel approaches to solve those problems. So I'll give you an example from my own life again. My wife has several aspects of her job 
that are extremely boring and repetitive. And whenever you hear the word repetitive, you should think code and automation because code is perfect for automating boring, repetitive tasks in our lives. And so what I did was I spun up a Node.js script and my wife's task previously was to convert CSV downloads into HTML by hand, like row by row. So she was taking values from CSVs and inputting them into the same little chunk of HTML, but having to do that row by row by row. And so I thought, obviously, this is a great use case for an automation. And so I spun up a Node.js script, and I wrote a script that took the CSV as input, crunched it, and then returned HTML. And so at the beginning, basically, this was just a script that was running on my local machine. Whenever she sent me CSVs, I would crunch them, send them back to her, and then she would do what she needed to do, updating her company's website. But eventually, I got tired of having to deal with this, basically. And so what I did was I put a web app front end around this script. So I basically built a full stack Node.js app, hosted it on Heroku for free with a weird URL that Heroku gives you when you have a free dino. And now it's a web app that she can go to whenever she needs to input or upload her CSVs and get her markup back. And this basically took me no time, right? It took me maybe a couple hours, maybe one hour to build the script initially, and then another hour to turn it into a web app and deploy it. But it has been so fun watching my code in the real world solve a problem for somebody that I care about. It's super motivating. And I think that's an important point because it can be really hard and discouraging to learn to code. In fact, it is hard. Uh, that is the whole point of doing the real thing is that it's challenging. But when you have something that you're actually trying to build and you can see that thing making your life better or making the lives of people you care about better, it is super motivating. And I think it's motivating enough to push through those blockers push through those bugs or the times you're stuck and actually get the thing done because you want it to exist in the world. You want it to actually work and help people. And that to me is way more motivating than trying to do another to-do list or just going through exercises online. Coincidentally, it's also the thing that helps the concepts stick the most in your mind. It helps you learn the most and it looks the best for a portfolio. So as far as I'm concerned, it's a win-win-win. You may be worried about not doing things the quote-unquote right way. And so to close, I'll tell you a story about a developer that I love. It's this guy named Peter Levels. He's at Levels.io on Twitter, if you're interested in following him. And he is a completely self-taught developer. And he has several websites that make millions and millions of dollars a year. So he was very early to the nomad, digital nomad trend, and he was very early to the remote work trend. So he has a remote work job board. He has a site called nobadlist.com, which basically shows how good each city in the world, like each major city in the world is for digital nomads. And like I said, these sites generate him millions of dollars a year. But the cool thing about Peter, aside from being self-taught, like I mentioned, is that he basically doesn't care about convention. So anything that a normal developer would say, hey, you need to do this or you need to do that, he basically doesn't do at all. So with his remote job board, which makes like I said, millions of dollars a year. It's all in one index.php file. 
And so this would be considered by most people, I think, bad practice, right? To have all your code in one file. But he is basically focused on solving the problem, right? The problem was, let me build this job board. The problem was not, let me do everything, quote unquote, the right way. And so he mentioned in a podcast that I heard that having people that aren't doing things the right way generates new approaches and very creative approaches to solving the same problem. And so I think this is another thing that could hold us back to feel like, oh, I need help or I'm not sure if I'm doing this correctly. But the point is, as long as you're building, you're going to learn. And if you're using an approach that isn't good for whatever reason, you're going to figure it out eventually and you'll figure out a way to do it better. So in closing, do the real thing, avoid fake alternatives, and don't worry about doing things the right way. Focus on building real products and solving real problems and you'll get there. So that's all for today. I hope you found this helpful. And if you did, I'll make a shameless plug for my YouTube channel where I talk about tons of stuff like this, how to become a developer, how to become a better developer, how to learn, how to improve yourself. And if you're interested in any of that, you can find my channel at youtube.com slash Peter Thanks so much for tuning in and we'll see you in the next one.